The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain. So it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy God, sometimes your word puzzles us. Open our hearts and minds to think and reflect deeply and to hear the good news that you have to give us in all of life's situations. Amen. Jesús dijo que somos buenos para predecir el clima, pero malos para entender lo que está pasando. Se parece mucho a ver a las noticias. Tomemos Ucrania, por ejemplo. Es antiguo en términos de gente, cultura e idioma. Y también es bastante joven como país, con Zelensky como su sexto presidente. Y no ha sido solo la URSS, sino muchos imperios anteriores, como los imperios austrohungario, otomano y griego, todos llegaron a Ucrania y dependieron en su gente y sus recursos naturales. Así que ahora escuchamos a los líderes ucranianos pidiendo ayuda a resistir. Apoyar parece ser lo único decente que se puede hacer. Sí, tenemos que apoyar. Pero la pregunta es cómo. Mi pregunta es, ¿la adquisición de miles de millones de dólares de armas la única forma de apoyar a Ucrania? Aquí es donde las palabras de Jesús podrían mostrarnos otro camino. Contrariamente a la creencia popular, Jesús no parece querer la paz. Visualiza divisiones dentro de las familias. El problema es cuando alguien o algún grupo pierde la paciencia y en afán de paz y fin del conflicto recurre a la violencia y a la coerción para detener las enloquecedoras dis, disputas y divisiones. Lo que quiero decir es la, 
la gente pierde su paciencia y luego se usa la violencia para obtener un paz. A veces pensamos que el conflicto es el desacuerdo, es una señal de que estamos haciendo mal. Pero ¿qué pasa si el conflicto es el resultado? El desacuerdo significa que las personas se preocupan y luchan por aceptar realidades difíciles. Recuerda que Dios no impone castigos. Tus pecados son perdonados en la cruz. La fe es esforzarse por mantener la vida y la dignidad incluso a nuestros enemigos. Amén. Jesus said that we are great at predicting the weather, but lousy at understanding what is going on in the present moment. Sounds a lot like watching the news, right? Do you ever get frustrated with the news like they don't give us the whole story? Take Ukraine for an example. We're told the names of places that have been attacked. But I don't know about you, but I hear these names and I think, what do they mean? What's the significance of these places? I was so annoyed that I decided that I needed to read up on my history of Ukraine and the Slavic peoples. It is really complicated. I would like to read more. But my initial impressions is that Ukraine is super important in the history of the world. On the one hand, it's ancient, its people, its culture, its language. And on the other hand, it is a very young country, with Zelensky just being its sixth president. And it wasn't just a part of the USSR empire, it actually provided key leadership to it. Did you know that Nikita Khrushchev was born in an area that is contested between Russia and Ukraine? And that when he took over after Stalin and he had his agenda to ameliorate some of those atrocities, he filled key leadership positions with Ukrainians to try to bring unity. And Ukraine hasn't just been part of the USSR, but many previous empires like the Austro-Hungarian, the Ottoman, and the Greek just to name some of them. Each of these empires has depended on Ukraine for its vast natural resources, the breadbasket of Europe, and its people. It is an area that has been highly contested. One popular example that comes to mind is a movie from the not-so-distant past called Fiddler on the Roof which explores what it was like for Jewish people to live in Slavic lands under empire. So the struggle to resist external imperial ambitions is much of Ukraine's history. And so here we are in this present moment that's very troubling. We have Ukrainian leaders asking for our support for their right to resist, for their right to sovereignty and self-determination, And I would say it seems like support is really the only decent thing to do. My only question is how? And I have to wonder if the procurement of weapons is the only way to support Ukraine? This is where Jesus' words might show us another path. Contrary to popular belief, Jesus doesn't seem to want peace. 
It's funny, right? We call Him the Prince of Peace. In other places, He said He was born to bring peace on earth, and yet here He says, I didn't come to bring peace. What is this about? Jesus envisions divisions within families as to be expected. Jesus wants us to be prepared to deal with conflict. One thing I've learned about Ukraine is that in the eastern Donbass region, you could probably find a family where the father would lean one way and have their national identity be one thing, and you would have a son that would want the other. You could find those families. Armed conflict has existed in that area before the recent invasion. I believe that what the problem really is, is the temptation that we each face, each of us faces this temptation, to run out of patience in a conflict and to be pulled in two opposite directions. Neither one is healthy. One is to avoid conflict, to do everything in our power to prevent to pretend that it doesn't exist, to bury our heads in the sand, as it were, to live in a salt mine. It's not going to fix anything. The other extreme, when we're in conflict, is to escalate. To escalate so strong to just put an end to everything. As a parent, this is a thing we deal with all the time. You hear children sort of bickering, and you think, do I get involved yet? And then you hear the, vo the volume increase, and you think, do I get involved yet? And then maybe it gets even fiercer, and all of a sudden you face a choice. Do I escalate? Do I come in and bang my fist on the table and have the loudest voice until everyone's shaking and quiet? Or do I try to de-escalate, to ask questions, to invite reflection? In the heart of the moment, it isn't easy. I do feel that option two is better, and I strive to do it with God's help. What we do in our homes has a great impact on the world writ large. To this, Jesus says, it's okay to get fired up. It's okay to think differently than even the most intimate people in your life. If we can figure out nonviolent confrontation at home, then we can handle it better in larger cases too. Can you let people you love have space to be angry? Maybe bearing conflict and avoiding it will only let it fester. By seeking to end conflict hastily, we can actually unleash great and terrible suffering. Maybe peace shouldn't be our goal. Maybe we need to lower our expectations and strive for something a bit more realistic. We could ask ourselves, what am I willing to live without? What am I willing to sacrifice? Maybe it's time we let go of a fantasy of a comfortable, peaceful life. Recently, I, I read an article and it said, do you know who the most dangerous man in America is? Walt Disney. Because he led millions, if not billions of people to believe that if we wish upon a star, we can live happily ever after, like royalty. We're all guaranteed to lose in our lives someday. But by grace, we know that this isn't a punishment. 
we know that God doesn't punish us for our sins. So that when we do deal with conflict, we can look at it soberly and realize that it's a part of life. Sometimes we think that conflict or disagreement is a sign that we've done something wrong. But what if it's just the opposite? What if conflict and disagreement means that people care and are struggling to come to terms with a difficult reality? Remember, God doesn't mete out punishments. Your sins are forgiven on the cross. Faith is trying to uphold life and dignity even with our enemies. Peace depends on us and on our actions and on our words. Amen. We sing the hymn of the day, God of Tempest, God of Whirlwind. Please stand as you're able.